and welcome to the Summit Church Podcast. We hope today, as you listen to this week's content, that you grow in your faith and in your relationship with God. Connect more with us by going to ardmoresummit.church and remember to love God, love people, and love life. to you all. Glad that you're here today. I'm excited to bring the word to you. If you have your Bibles, would you open up with me to the book of Luke chapter number one? Luke chapter number one. And then uh, we're going to be in the book of Isaiah as well. And then also in 2 Corinthians. And uh, I'm excited about today's message. I want to talk to you today about hope. The hope Christmas brings. All month long, we're going to be talking about Uh, the essential elements of what makes Christmas special. There's nothing wrong with the cultural add-ons that make Christmas fun for us um, in engaging the senses, the the lights, the the food, can I get an amen, all of those things. And, And that's good and fun, but as you all know, and it's not to be a stickler, but but it is important for us to have um at the forefront of our minds. What makes Christmas unique is the birth of Christ, the miracle of miracles that God had promised for centuries that he was going to come and fix us. (laughs) He was going to come and and make things better, make things right, and do a once and for all decisive act of deliverance for his people greater than the exodus, greater than what he had ever done. He was going to do something for his people, and that is the incarnation God becoming man. We're Trinitarian, which means we believe that God the Son has always existed. In fact, Hebrews tells us that it was by him and through him that all things came into being. John says, in the beginning was the Word, the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was with God in the beginning. And yet there is an add-on, an addition to this Son that he entered into this world and the creator of the greatest story became a character in his own play, in his own book. How amazing is that? So all month long we're going to be talking about the essential elements, and today we're going to be talking about hope. Christmas brings hope. Christmas brings hope. And I want to talk to you about hope today. If you'd go to that next slide, let's look at Luke chapter number 1, verse number 26. We'll begin reading there. The word of the Lord says this, In the sixth month, the angel Gabriel was sent from God to a city of Galilee named Nazareth to a virgin betrothed to a man whose name was Joseph of the house of David, and the virgin's name was Mary. And he came to her and said, Greetings, O favored one, the Lord is with you. Next slide. But she was greatly troubled at the saying and tried to discern what sort of greeting this might be. And the angel said to her, Do not be afraid, Mary. For you have found favor with God, and behold, you will conceive in your womb and bear a son, and you shall call his name Jesus. What an amazing promise. He will be great and will be called the Son of the Most High, and the Lord God will give to him the throne of his father David, and he will reign over the house of Jacob forever, and of his kingdom there will be no end. Today we're going to talk about this assurance, this promise that God gives his people and the hope that is always attached to God's promises. Anytime somebody gives you a guarantee or a promise, there is the assurance, the, the, the hope that comes 
with it. Hope is essential for human life. Amen? You can't make it in life without hope. You can't make it one day if you didn't have hope. And I know people who I've even been in seasons myself where hopelessness grips you and is worse than any anxiety or fear because you don't see anything getting better. Hope is essential. And the fact that there was this promise given to Mary saying, hey, now is the moment. I've been talking about it. The prophets have been saying it for centuries. Now is the moment. You, Mary, you are going to give birth to the one who's going to bring hope to the whole world. That's an amazing promise. Hope is the anchor for our life, and anchors keep us from drifting away. If you have a certain hope, you're secure, you're steady, you're stable, you're not tossed to and fro, you're not just drifting around, you are stable. And that's what the Bible talks about, that God's people have hope. God's people are defined by being people of hope, right? So we're defined by hope and able to get us through all things. So it's not on the screen, um, I don't believe, but, but I, have, I have a few things I want to talk about. When we define hope, what are we, what are we talking about? Because I've heard people talk about hope, but they're not actually describing biblical hope. So, so I want to just, before we get to the, the, the slides and stuff and, and the outlines, I think we have outlines on the back table. We'll get you one if you didn't get one. But, but I want to talk about what exactly is hope. First of all, hope is not wishful thinking. Hope is not wishing something to get better. I hope TCU gets in. By the way, would you like an early Christmas present? They did. There we go. Okay, so... For those of you who, who care about that, I know there's one person who does. But, but hope is not wishful thinking. I hope the Cowboys go to the playoffs. Nobody said, hey, man, I, it's going to happen. Believe it, brother. Nobody said that. I hope my team, team wins. Wishful thinking, I guess it's better than negative thinking, but wishful thinking is everything that's really beyond or outside of your control. That's what wishful thinking is. So some people say, I hope this happens, and really what they're saying is, it would be neat, I'd prefer it, but I can't control that. It's totally outside my control. That is mere optimism. If you have to choose between optimism and pessimism, go ahead and be optimist, but that is not biblical hope. Another thing, it is not expecting things. Even if you work at it, and even if you have a degree of, of ownership and, uh, what's the word, not manipulation, oversight, there's some things that you can sort of oversee, but, but even then there's things that you really can't control. For example, you can plant the seeds and expect them to grow. You, you, you go out and you plant seed and you work a field. I hope everything turns out right. But there's still things that are beyond your control. The weather, um, varmints that are going to come in and destroy a crop, whatever it is. People on a four-wheeler running through your field and destroying everything. Uh, whatever it might be, but there's expectant thinking that's good, but it generally works, but not always. doesn't always work. Lots of things I expect to happen in life, but not always. Our, we were talking this morning pre-service, and I, I won't get into the details, but someone that many of us know, I heard the news today, unexpectedly passed away, heart attack. Um, expected 
to have a normal Christmas, expected everything to go, and now a family is, is jarred, shocked with this awareness. There are a lot of things that we expect to happen, but that doesn't mean they will. The third type of hope, which is, which is really the biblical hope, is certainty. That's what hope really is biblically defined, is certainty. That which is a guarantee, an assurance. There is all, when the, any time in the Bible it talks about hope, there's always a stamp, a seal guaranteed attached to it. God doesn't say, God does not give us hope as wishful thinking. He doesn't give us hope as, hey, you should, you know, more or less expect this to happen. No. When he says something and he says, be, you know, have this living hope in you, it's attached with it to assurance, certainty. It can't not happen. Those English teachers right now are driving you crazy. It can't not happen. What's that called? A double negative? Oh, well, it sounds good to me. It's going to happen because it's, it's based on God's providence. It's based, it's based on God's power. It's based on his purpose. That's the kind of hope that Christmas is. That's the kind of hope that we have. So when we talk about the hope that we all have as a result of Emmanuel, God with us, we're talking about the certainty, the truth that God has come and the assurances that come with that. I don't know about you, but I, I, I like being around wishful thinkers. I like being around people who expect good things. But the greatest thing in my life is those things that I can't even mess up because it's certain. God has come. Amen. If you would go to that next slide, if you have your outline, get ready. I want to talk about a few things that hope brings. First of all, number one is this. Write this down. First of all, hope brings comfort. Hope brings comfort. I don't know about you, but I like being comfortable. I like being comfortable. How many of you have your favorite chair, your favorite place to sit in your house? That's your place. Be, be honest if you have it. I do. All right. How many of you, like, you know, it's a little cold outside, so you got your little blanket or your throw, and when it's chilly, you're like, I got to go grab that blanket Got to go get it. I like being comfortable. You know, in the church world, over the last, I don't know, decade, two decades, we, we've, we've talked a lot about how comfort is a bad thing. And the Bible does give examples when people become stagnant. You ever heard, like, I need to get out of my comfort zone. You need to get a little bit uncom uncomfortable. And the principle is true, but really, I don't like that word. And here's why. When, when we read the word comfort in the Bible, it's always presented as a positive. Okay? God doesn't like just messing with us and, and throwing us off kilter for no reason. He wants his people to be comfortable. Um, let, me, let me read to you 2 Corinthians chapter 1, starting with verse number 3. Again, 2 Corinthians chapter 1, verse number 3. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of mercies and God of all comfort who comforts us in our affliction so that we may be able to comfort those who which, with which we ourselves comforted by God. For as we share abundantly in Christ's suffering, so also we share abundantly in comfort too. If we are afflicted, it is for your comfort and for salvation that we are comforted. It is for your comfort that we experience, that you experience when you patiently endure the sufferings that you suffer. Our hope for you is unshaken, certain, 
Guaranteed, you can take it to the bank. Listen, for we know that as you share in our sufferings, you also share in our comfort. Do you think that comfort is a big deal to God? Comfort, comfort. Isaiah chapter 40, verse 1. Comfort, comfort my people. This is God saying, you want to know what God is shouting to his people at, at Christmas time? Is this comfort, comfort. We sing joy to the way, comfort and joy, oh tidings of comfort and joy. Comfort is not a bad thing. It is a guarantee. It's one of the privileges and one of the honors of Christian life. You ought to be comfortable. Now, again, Modern verbiage, that can mean stagnation. It can mean laziness. That's not what the Bible is talking about. Comfort is standing in hope and understanding that when you are in that hope, you ought to be comfortable. Amen? Amen. Comfort. He brings consolation. You know the story of, of Mary and Joseph. After Jesus is born, they bring him in to, the, to, to, to be dedicated. And, and, and on the eighth day, and they're there. And, and, and you remember the words, the consolation of Israel. Consolation. We hear the word consolation. We think of like a consolation prize. But, but Jesus is given to us as the consolation, the comfort the one who brings comfort to us. That's more than just an awe, quaint, hallmark movie type sentiment. This is a life-changing comfort that so much so that when you wake up each and every day, you are completely at peace. All is calm. All is bright. Amen? I think of David in Psalm 23. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. The fact that God... Almighty is watching over me, brings me comfort. Jesus came into a world of despair and hopelessness and silence, and comfort comes from knowing him and trusting him. Number two, next one, write this down. Hope brings confidence. Confidence. I need confidence. I need, a, I need more assurance. Hope brings confidence. The, the, the hope that Christmas brings allows me to wake, in each up, wake up each and every day saying, if God is for me, who can be against me, right? I, I can literally stand in that confidence, not in my own abilities because I've been around me a little while and I know that I'm going to mess up, but it brings me confidence in his word, brings me confidence in his character, brings me confidence in knowing that if whatever he says he's going to do, he's going to bring it about. And then thirdly, hope brings change. When you live in light of better things to come, when you live in light that tomorrow's going to be resolved, that God is there, that it's all going to be okay, when you live in that light that tomorrow's going to be good, you behave differently today. That's good. We, we need to stay here for a second. We as Christians are defined by hope because of Christmas. And when we do that, we act differently in the present knowing that the future is going to be different. We need that. Because of Christmas, I don't have to fear my past. Because of Christmas, I don't have to fear the present. Because of Christmas, I don't need to fear the future. Right? I can, I can stand and walk in that assurance. Well, let's talk about a few things. If you'd go to, the, go to the book of Luke with me once more, chapter number one, Luke chapter one. Let's talk about the hope of Christmas for a few more minutes. Number one is this. Write this down. God still answers prayer. That is 
an encouraging statement. God still answers prayer. Luke chapter 1, starting with verse number 5. In the days of Herod, king of Judea, there was a priest named Zechariah of the division of Abijah, and he had a wife from the daughters of Aaron, and her name was Elizabeth. And they were both righteous before God, walking blamelessly in the commandments and statutes of the Lord. But they had no child because Elizabeth was barren, and both were advanced in years. Briefly, let me explain this. Here's a woman who wanted a child but was not able to, and she was advanced in years. So this was a hopeless situation, amen? Hopeless. This is a hopeless situation. But God still answers prayer. Let's keep reading. Verse number 8. Now, while he was serving as a priest before God, he was, when his division was on duty, according to the custom of the priesthood, he was chosen by lot to enter the temple of the Lord and burn incense. And the whole multitude of the people were praying outside of the hour of incense. Verse 11 of chapter 1, And there appeared to him an angel of the Lord standing on the right side of the altar of incense. And Zechariah was troubled when he saw him, and fear fell upon him. Verse 13, But the angel said to him, Do not be afraid, Zechariah, for your prayer has been heard, and your wife Elizabeth will bear you a son. You shall call his name John, and you will have joy and gladness, and many will rejoice at his birth. See, God answered their prayers. God still answers prayers. Every time I pray, I pray standing on a foundation of hope, of confidence, of assurance that God's going to bring these things about. Number two is this. The hope of Christmas is the assurance that God still keeps his promises. God still keeps his promises. Let's look at chapter 1, verse number 26. Again, in the sixth month, the angel Gabriel was sent to God, the city of Galilee named Nazareth, to a virgin betrothed to a man whose name was Joseph of the house of David, and the virgin's name was Mary. Going down to verse number 32, it says this, He will be great and will be called Son of the Most High. The Lord will give him the throne of his father David. Verse 33, he will reign over the house of Jacob forever, and of his kingdom there will be no end. This was a promise given. Whatever God promises, he keeps. There's not a chance of a promise of God not coming to pass. Why? Because he himself has entered into our affliction. He himself has entered into our story and has brought about the greatest miracle of all, and that's our salvation. Number three is this. Here's the hope of Christmas. God still has a purpose. God still has a purpose. Luke chapter 2, verse number 8. And in the same region there were shepherds out in the field keeping watch over their flock by night. And the angel of the Lord appeared to them. The glory of the Lord shone round them, and they were filled with great fear. And the angel said to them, Fear not, for behold, I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all people. Verse 11, don't skip over this too fast. Verse 11, for unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior who is Christ the Lord. What's the purpose of all this? What's the purpose that we, we sing to an infant born in a stable? What's the purpose of this? It's right there in verse 11. Unto you is born this day. Unto you. In other words, God is saying, hey, would you guys like a really cool gift? Here I am. 
There's, that's the whole purpose of this. And that is the assurance that we have in, in, in the hope of Christmas that God still has a purpose. And then lastly is this. And this one is what brings me a lot of peace and joy is that God is still in control. God is still in control. You understand as you look in every scripture I've read, um, what's the reaction around angels showing up? Fear. If an angel just dropped in right here, I'm pretty, you know, we might take out a cell phone and start taking pictures. I guarantee you some of us would be running for the door because that's the reaction in Scripture. But beyond just that, they were in a state of panic. They weren't just like going to work, coming home, and I wish things would get better. They were oppressed. It was, it was, it was hard. It was, it was a difficult time. And during difficult times, it's hard to see that God's in control, isn't it? And as I read the scripture here with Mary and Joseph and Zechariah and, and, and Elizabeth and, and the shepherds out there, everything felt like there is nothing good about to happen. And it's often when things appear their very worst that God shows up and in a moment changes it all. Why? Because he's in control. There are times in my life when I think, God, um, you're, you're silent right now. I'm, I'm in darkness right now. I sure would love you to speak. I sure would love your word. I sure would love light, some clarity. I sure would love some peace. I sure would love that right now. Why does everything seem like it's out of control? And then God shows up and says, yeah, unto you. Right? That's an amazing thing. God is in control. He's in control of the future. He's in control of what all is happening. And that brings me hope. So our hope as Christians, in conclusion, is based upon God's word. It's based upon God's character. It's based upon the assurances that if he came 2,000 years ago, nothing has changed. Nothing has changed. So to this week, this month, I want you to go throughout your life, and I want you to walk in that assurance. Walk in that, that comfort that God says, even when you suffer, it will produce comfort. Amen. 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 Bow with me in prayer if you would. Lord, I thank you so much for the hope that we have as your people. Your word says that we are alive to a living hope. I'm not just up here, Lord, talking about something that might be true. I'm not interested in talking about something that it might have a little bit of power over our lives. We're up here expressing the good news, the gospel, that, that you have come and have saved us. And the implications of that is that more certain than our next breath, more certain than tomorrow we wake up, more certain than any of that is the certainty that you are a God that is for us. You see us in our situation and you come and you bring comfort, you relieve, you restore, you replenish, you renew. Lord, some of us need to be reminded of that today. Some of us need to be reminded of the assurances that we have that you bring comfort, that you bring us confidence, and that hope brings change. Maybe, God, some of us need to be woken up today. Because we're not walking and seeing that change that we so desperately need to because 
we're not attuned to the hope we have. Lord, I pray for the person here that's been praying. They've been crying out. They've been asking. They have been seeking you. Help us to see the word that you still answer prayer. No matter what, we need to keep believing, keep seeking you. If your people for hundreds of years kept crying out and praying and believing and you came, so much more can we continue to believe that you're going to answer our prayers. Some of us, Lord, need to be reminded that you do keep your promises. And Lord, your word is filled with promises. You're a God that loves to promise, loves to tell us in advance what you're going to do. No matter what, keep trusting in your word. Some of us need to be reminded today, you do have a purpose. If you could show up to a field full of shepherds and announce that unto you I have come, that gives us a great hope that you have a purpose for our life. There's a purpose even in the pain. There's a purpose even in the hardship. Especially through the hardship, we see that you have a purpose. And Lord, all of us need to be reminded today, in a world full of uncertainties, in a world where we're not even guaranteed tomorrow to wake up, you hold all things and you're in total control. We need that assurance. We need that hope. We love you today. In your name we pray. Amen. Hey, thanks again for listening to the Summit Church Podcast. We hope today you enjoyed the content and what God was speaking to you today. Again, we'd love to connect with you more by going to ardmoresummit.church. Join us Sunday mornings at 11 a.m. in Ardmore, Oklahoma at 1725 North Commerce Street. Take care and be blessed.